Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast mm-hmm. and leave us stars and hearts and whatever they have now. And it's stars. It's on iTunes. They Thanks. Five stars, please. <laughs> uh, how, how are you? you? I'm all right. It's it's warm today. I'm all right. It is kind of warm. Also, we're going to like fly through we this episode, We are totally right? flying. We have okay. so much stuff to get to. Yeah. Do you want to start? Okay. We'll, we're just going to dunk on this guy. Yeah. All right. Who? <laughs> last I'm in. week. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> last week, yeah. we talked about this pastor, John Gray. He used to work with Joel Osteen. Now he's on his own, but he has a TV show with Oprah Winfrey. Oh, he's uh-huh. one of those televangelists slash megachurch preachers who also has a side hustle where he is Kardashianing himself on TV as a preacher slash guy you who's say Kardashian, rich. Like he has a reality show? Is that yes, what you're? Yes, okay. that's exactly what I'm getting at. Wow. And I don't know what else he does. But God, that would be a fucking boring reality show. Is, I haven't like, seen it, but that is exactly hello, like, what are you going to show me that's interesting? I'm a pastor. I go to bed at 9 p.m. Yeah, by definition, if you <laughs> do anything interesting, you're in trouble. <laughs> but okay, so last week we discussed this guy because... He had done this publicity stunt at his church where he put out all the collection buckets oh, on his stage. Oh, I remember this guy. Now, we said, had an argument <laughs> we about We did this have boy. an argument. He said, you know, if you're poor, come on down in front of the cameras and take whatever you need because we're a generous people mm-hmm. and I'm a generous guy. Take what you need. We're getting you on camera, by the way, so we're totally exploiting you. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, said I feel me. like you're editorializing this a little bit. <laughs> no, that's the fact. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's what he said. We had an argument because I didn't think what he was doing was totally generous. I thought it was kind of a publicity stunt. Correct me if I'm wrong. You thought it was more generous and like I was just being cynical. Well, I think you're being cynical. And I think me thinking, it, yeah, it was definitely a publicity stunt, but that doesn't negate how good yeah, of a thing it like was. We all do shit for publicity. Like mm-hmm. not we, you and I, we <laughs> being like, I don't know, corporations. Sure. Everyone does something like it. So right. it wasn't the worst. Okay. Here's the follow-up to this story that I'm really curious what you think about this. Okay. Um, After that whole incident kind of played out in the media, another John Gray incident also appeared in the media. This is after we had our discussion. Mm -hmm. Uh, His wife and he celebrated their eighth anniversary, and guess what he got her for a gift? Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't want to know. Tell me. A hint. He's a megachurch pastor. That doesn't help me, like, even the littlest bit. If you guessed $200,000 Lamborghini, you would be right. (laughs) I thought it was going to be something more distinctly sexual in nature. (laughs) No. But I was worried about guessing about it. $200,000 car. Jeez Louise. Which, (laughs) and my favorite. almost as much as my house. Yeah, here's how much, here's what he said. Eight years, new, I'm sorry, this is what, yeah, no, this is what he said. Um, eight years, new beginnings, new hope, new life, and for her, a new whip. I don't get it. Oh, I a put whip a, is a is a thing people call cars. I just learned I it see, recently. I see. That's what cool people say. Yeah. I put a faith Old deposit people. down in February, and God helped me to make my wife's dream come true. Why not? She made mine come true. Hashtag God is my witness. Hashtag book contract. <laughs> Hashtag haters be blessed. 
Um, okay, th- and they're not going to apologize for their blessings. Can I just start by saying, is it an expression that eight years means a clean slate? Like, is that like he, <laughs> he said it like, you know what happens after eight years? Fresh starts. Uh, no, fuck this guy. I am <laughs> solidly... The thing I that I, I don't get is like, he made this big show of like, when he gave away money, one of the things I didn't like about it is that he's taking the congregation's money no, I know. and giving I it away to other members of the congregation. All of those he's the guy taking most of the money. Yeah, and by the way, he reiterated when people got mad at him for this huge extravagant he said, hey, thing. Haters be blessed. <laughs> he responded, I didn't use my church salary to pay for it. I used my other money that he makes from his TV show and his books, <sighs> hashtag book contract. That's what he was using as if these are separate accounts and they have nothing to do with each other. But like the only reason he has those other things is because he does flashy publicity stunts where he pretends to be generous. Right. Okay. Yes, you are not incorrect. Also, my sort of distaste about this whole thing, isn't that like he shouldn't be allowed to buy an ostentatious gift for his wife? Like it's, it's his right, like he yeah. It's can his do money. It. It's his wife. It's whatever. Just like, I'm so sorry, that came out wrong. <laughs> it's his what'd money. What did you say? <laughs> it's his relationship, is what I was getting at. Like, I don't care what you do in with your yeah, wife. I don't, like, it's like, <laughs> uh, is that the most tacky thing I've ever heard? Obviously. <laughs> like, I feel like buying somebody a sports car. I don't know. It just feels so 1980s to me. <laughs> like, I just maybe it's just like my sort of anti-consumerism sort of bent that I'm taking as I get older. But like, uh-huh. oh, dude, gross. But. Like, so, yeah, he's allowed to. I'm not saying he's not allowed to or he should be, like, like looked into, but just, it's really tacky and really ostentatious. And when you're asking people to donate money and you're throwing money down the drain like that, like, what are you doing? Like, do you have no concept of what you look like? Like, the visual, I think that's right. what it is. The visuals are so For bad. A, you would think a televangelist of all people right. would try to play be down. Of his image. But no, there are cameras everywhere. Everyone. He made a big show of presenting this to her, too. Oh, God. Um, In front of his congregation or on the show? I, on the TV show? I don't know. I, the videos were a little weird. They were not professionally made. They were like, uh, they were like phone. They were a, someone pulled out a phone, took videos. Mm-hmm. One of them came down because I guess he didn't want it out there. But another one was out there that he had no problem with. Like, these videos are out there. There was a crowd yeah. watching him present this to his wife. Grisly. But again, the thing that bothers me is he's making this huge deal about how he's so generous. Mm-hmm. He didn't even give away his own money. He gave right. away his congregation's money to other members of the congregation, but only after exploiting them. Yeah. And okay. then he's like, I'm going to use all of this money to buy this whatever for my wife. He's, it's not like he said, I'm going to give you this car. And by the way, I made a huge donation to charity in yeah. your name. And I Which, got you again, a Camry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> again, I don't even want... You're right. I, I, I don't want to, and I shouldn't be shaming him for what he chooses to do with his money. Mm-hmm. But a week after he made no, a big showing not, about how giving he is, it, it's none like, of it's dude, great. that's not the same. Uh, none of it's great. Oh, it's just skeezy, it seems. Ugh. Uh, on yeah. the flip side of that, this... Again, I'll get the fun one out of the way before we get on to heavier topics. Yeah, sure. I'd hate to have too much fun spread out through the show. <laughs> um, the Catholic Archdiocese in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh-huh. they put out a message basically saying, listen, we've heard that some of you are getting phone calls in the community, not our churches or whatever. Some of you in the community have been getting phone calls from, quote, from the, quote, St. Mary's Prayer Center Ministry saying basically... Give us money and we'll pray for you. 
It's a scam. Mm -hmm. I mean, and basically, I looked this up. This is not a new thing. This scam has been going on with that same church's, fictional church's name for a long time. Really? And basically what they say is, you know, you give us the seed money, like a televangelist, Uh and we'll reward you. Tell us how much you want to give to us, and we'll make your dreams come true, whatever. Are you going to make some sage point about how giving your money to scammers is approximately the same as giving your money to televangelists? Thank you for beating me to that punch. Yeah, Here's I, what I don't understand. I really understand. can't let you have another one over on me. They both <clears> take <throat> your money without actually answering your prayers. How is that any different? And how, I, I ask you. But Okay, wait, wait, but sincerely, because we did this with the psychic thing, too. Uh-huh. Is like, what's the difference between a real psychic and a fake psychic who's scamming people? Well, yeah, <laughs> excuse me. And the, the crux of that was sort of this woman built the this psychic, quote unquote psychic, built a woman out of like twenty thousand dollars or whatever yeah. her savings account was. And Hemet was making the argument. I don't know if it was a good faith argument. I think it was fucking with me a little bit. Probably, but it's just. Why is that any worse than somebody who goes to somebody month after month and gives them a hundred dollars a pop? Like either way, you're getting nothing. Yada yada yada. Right. This does feel different. Go on. I I tried wrapping my head around it because I'm having the same thoughts. Like, I know one is a scam and the other is a church. But if you're asking me to pinpoint why the scam is a scam, but the church is somehow legit, relatively speaking, like trying to pinpoint, like, because the church does it in good faith, even though it's the same results, it's the same, like... It's not like the church is saying this is for entertainment only. <laughs> yeah, shit. So I, I was trying to figure that out. Like, I'm not just trying to be a well, dick, even though I am being a dick. Sure. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what's the difference. And also, if this prayer scam phone call thing says, give us a certain amount of money, what's the difference between a $10 seed payment and like a $100 seed payment? What's the difference in the prayers if you give more money? The pastor can get a Lamborghini instead of a Thank you. <laughs> instead yeah. of a, a gorilla. I think the church um, is just mad they didn't think of it first. I mean, but I will tell you, the, the thing that made me laugh the most is when a local news uh, outlet reported on the church saying, "Hey, we heard about this scam. Don't listen to them; they're scammers." Mm-hmm. The headline is "Grand Rapids Diocese Warns of Prayer for Money Scam," and I'm like, "Some." That's so <laughs> self-incriminating, and they don't even... <laughs> they need to revisit a, I that I think draft. a headline writer was just joking about the church, but like they worded and it in a way, it's like tongue-in-cheek almost. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. That just made me laugh. What's up? Um, so there is a real cool, chill guy. Go on. His name is Bishop Donald Sanborn, um, and I want to thank uh, Progressive Secular human, human, Humanist, which is uh, Pathio's friend, um, and Michael Stone pulled some quotes because I just really didn't have it in me to go through this guy's garbage blog post. Um, It was a criticism of the Me Too movement. Um, And uh, he was just like, yeah, men, you really need to watch what you're doing. And and women, you're doing your best. We're we're thankful for you. You're really brave. So that's the end of that story. (laughs) JK, he's the fucking worst. So... Like, up top, it's true that the conduct of some men is deplorable in this regard, but it's also true that the conduct of of some women is deplorable in this regard. The trend began over 100 years ago. Take this journey with me, There was no assault or rape before 100 years ago. Oh, my God, thank you for noticing that. You're welcome. It gained momentum in World War I. Before the war, women covered their entire bodies with clothing. Like they should. Mm-hmm. After the war, the headlines came up and the necklines came down. Um, Those 19- hussies showing their necks and ankles. Like, 
Ugh, you're right. They are hustlers. <laughs> By the way, I need to point this out because I made the mistake of not like making a bigger deal of this when we wrote about it too, which is that his name is Bishop Donald Sanborn. He is not a member of church, Catholic church leadership. He's part of some weird little sect that says we are totally what the Catholic church is all about. But the official Catholic Church slash the Vatican slash all the people you think of with the Catholic Church say, this guy's not one of us. He's a crazy extremist on the fringe. And this guy's like, no, it's like something out of a Dan Brown novel. Like, no, I represent the true church. But he's not. He's kind of like a fringy sort of dude. So Catholic Church has problems. This guy's message is a problem. Those are not one and the same in this case. Up to about 1965, most women were married, not divorced, and had five or six children, at times more, and were devoted to their homes. With the appearance of the birth control pill in the 1960s, the role role and attitude of women's would change radically, and with these changes, family life would suffer immeasurably. The effect of all this revolution in social mores, as well as the role of women, is that men and women have been thrown together in situations which are very dangerous. Women are daily interacting with men in the workplace. In many cases, they're dressed in such a way as to to be immodestly attractive to men. The inevitable result is that unless the men in the office are very Hammond, very vigilant about the, mm-hmm. virtu- the virtue of chastity and fidelity to their wives. Some bi- very bad things take place. Just to be clear, yep. office flirtation uh-huh. does not cause rape. What Mm-mm. women wear doesn't cause rape. Mm-mm. Men and women working together, not rape. Mm-mm. And having an affair at the workplace, which is what he was getting at, is also not rape. Right. Unethical, sure, but not rape. Yeah. Like, this guy has no it's it's all black and white it really it's that's just, a really good, good everything way everything is bad and he's blaming the lady victims who are just clearly causing right. all of this it's so bad <laughs> and by the way he's basically reinstating kind of the mike pence rule slash billy graham rule like mm-hmm. you're better off never being alone with a woman because you won't be tempted by mm-hmm. her evilness yeah. Um, which is their way of saying, yeah, don't hire them. Don't You don't have to work with them. You're right. better off just surrounding yourself with other men. Mm-hmm. Like, that's problematic in and of itself. I had a really interesting week on Twitter of men, like, fucking coming after me for dumb shit. Mm-hmm. And my favorite one was about this, that he, this dude was just like, answer me this. Why should men be in the same space as women? I was like, what? I don't know. Are you, why am I, who are you? Anyway, he deleted <laughs> everything. It was too bad. See, I just blocked. I, I don't block. Then they know I block them. I just mute them, and oh. then I don't think about these things. No, I uh, I call and I'll like tag a friend of mine, and just sort of some f- bored feminists will just swarm in nice. and and sort of sort of take over that. It's pretty fun. I'd recommend <laughs> it. It's a great hobby. Um, what else you got? Let's buddy? let's talk about. Okay, there was that Supreme Court case uh, a year or two ago, Trinity Lutheran. Uh, quick recap was. Some church, elementary school church in uh, Missouri, they wanted access to a grant program in the state. State said, we have money if you want to renovate your playground. The church said, we want to renovate our playground. Uh The state said, no, you're a church. We can't give you money because that would be violating the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. The church sued. The Supreme Court said, the church had a point. You're not giving them money to promote their religion. You're giving them money to you know, renovate their playground. There's nothing violating the establishment clause about that. Right. So let them, they, a church, a religious group is eligible for taxpayer money 
as long as it's not promoting their religion directly. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the what the Supreme Court decided. So the question that people have been asking since then is, how is the religious right, and everyone does this, but in this case, the religious right, how are they going to take this victory and use it to win other things? How mm-hmm. are they going to take this and use it to further their own agenda? Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to see what that looks like. So there were actually two cases this week that stemmed from the Trinity Lutheran case. Here's one of them. Here's the good one. In Montana, the state Supreme Court, the state basically said, they passed a law that said, if you give kids a scholarship, if you donate to a school to let them give away scholarships to the kids, you're eligible for a $150 income tax credit. Okay, Okay, cool. So you give money to a school, you get a little bit of a tax break. That's how the state rewards you for doing something nice. Mm-hmm. The question is, what if you give what if you give money for a scholarship to a religious school? Should you also be eligible? For the tax break. Mm -hmm. Because now you are furthering religion. Right. Should the taxpayers reward you for that? And the people, the state basically said, um, like, this should not be allowed. Our constitution says you can't give money to a private school and get rewarded for it by the state. The Montana Supreme Court actually said, yeah, you have a point. And they, they struck down the tax credit that helps religious schools. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a good thing. They voted five to two to strike down this law. They actually said that that type of government subsidy in aid of sectarian schools is precisely what the constitutional delegates intended the constitution to prohibit. Hmm. Like, we don't want you giving money to private schools and getting rewarded for it. Right. Like, this is what we have the laws for. You right. can't do it. Americans United for Separation of Church and State, they said this is a double win. It protects church-state separation. It protects public school education. That's awesome. And they said the the credit program, the tax tuition, tuition tax credit program, uh-huh. it was, quote, a transparent attempt to circumvent state constitutions prohibiting this sort of funding. So they called them on it. They, I mean, they, they were saying just... the law was wrong, and uh, this is Americans United. The Montana Supreme Court correctly saw through this money laundering scheme. Other state courts should follow suit. So that's awesome. Good. Good. That's what should have happened. Now, here's the flip side of it. And this happened, I believe, yesterday. Um, The New Mexico Supreme Court had a different case. This one's more directly tied to Trinity Lutheran. Oh, by the way, I should say the Montana case. They said if you're allowing people to give money to schools for scholarships and Mm -hmm. then getting a tax break, Mm -hmm. that's not a tax break for something secular like a playground. You are giving money to the school. Right. So you can't say Trinity Lutheran protects us for for giving this tax credit. No, they are supporting the school. They are furthering a religious cause. That's why that ruling doesn't apply. Mm -hmm. Okay, in New Mexico, they have a rule in the law that says they have public textbooks And the state actually has a loan, like a textbook loan program. Mm. Like, you can't afford textbooks as a state. We have some for you to get. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes money to administer this, to give away the books, to to maintain all this. But public schools are eligible to take part in this textbook loan program. The question is, could religious schools take part in the textbook loan program? And in this case, the argument from the plaintiffs was... We're not asking for special benefits because we're religious. 
We just want to participate in the program you already have established. We just happen to be religious, but you're not furthering our religion. We just want access to the textbooks that everyone else has access to. That was kind of their argument for this. You feel like you want to say something, but you're not sure. Yeah, I I just, I guess I don't have a, an encompassing understanding of, like, how funding for religious schools works. Yeah. So I was... I mean, I, they have to, in, in theory, they would have to take care of their own textbooks. Right. And the families would have to pay for it themselves. Right. And they don't get tax benefits for doing anything because they're not paying into the system. Right. Right. So that's why they would yeah. theoretically not have access to this program. Okay. Well, the Supreme Court in New Mexico said three to two... You know what? There's nothing wrong with this. The schools, the religious schools, should totally be allowed into the loan textbook loan program. I'm kind like, of surprised they share textbooks, if I'm being honest. Or like they have the same textbooks. I guess across if you're curriculum. using like a math textbook, uh, yeah. it's probably the same. So it's like, well, if a religious school wants access to it, right. you're not advancing their religion by letting them use it. So there's nothing hmm. wrong with that. Here's the surprising thing about this: it was a three to two vote in favor of the religious people. Mm -hmm. The two people who said, no, this is promoting religion or supporting religion were the only two Republicans on that court. And what they said is that excluding private schools, which Mm -hmm. is what the law says, excluding private schools from the state's textbook programs would not amount to religious discrimination because they said no to all private schools, not just religious ones. Yeah. They also said that there is a good reason to exclude private schools as a whole because there is a legitimate principle that doing so ensures that the public schools of our state are maximally financed. Hmm. You are hurting public schools by letting private schools into this program, and you're not singling out religious schools as a problem. Right. Um, They actually said there's a difference between discriminating, quote-unquote, between public and private schools, which they said is fine, and that's exactly what's going on here, versus, you know, uh, religious schools and secular ones. Mm -hmm. And they said, you're treating this like it's a religious versus secular schools problem. it's not. It's It's a public versus private. And they said, this is the wrong move because the law was right to exclude all private schools. And you guys are making this change Mm -hmm. because you're saying it hurts religion and it's ostensibly a secular thing that they want. That's the wrong argument to make. Right. Um, So this is a more troubling decision because here's what's going to happen. Now religious groups will be, the conservative ones, will be able to say, well, look, in New Mexico, they said we're eligible for all this stuff, even though we're a private school, even though we're a religious school. Uh They said it was fine over here. So now we're going to ask for this. It was, it's the whole, if you give a mouse a cookie thing, Uh you gave us a little bit, we're going to ask for more now somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But this is what happens. You're starting to see, at first it was about a playground and now it's about you know, getting stuff from a system that they don't pay into at all. Yeah. Not just that they're yeah, eligible for the, it. Yeah, that's the know? problem, right? Is that they aren't paying taxes, aren't paying taxes, period. So right. they should not be getting... They shouldn't be getting benefits that right. are supposed to benefit taxpayers. Right. And again, is it a huge deal on the surface? Specifically, do, am I bothered if they get a math textbook from the state? That's not the issue. It's about the principle of the thing. And that principle is going to be used to do worse things down the line. That's what bothers me about it. So that's happening. Um, Here's another thing that, again, it gets good headlines, and I'm not sure it deserves it, so kind of like the John Gray thing from last week. Mm -hmm. The Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, so Southern Baptist 
the biggest group of Protestants in the country. They are the biggest single denomination in the country. And this is their like educational the in- institution, mm-hmm. Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. They commissioned a report saying, here's six faculty members at our institution. Yes, they belong to the same denomination, whatever. We're going to ask six historians to write a report about our denomination's involvement with racism and slavery. Like, tell us what our, yeah, tell us what we contributed or didn't to those issues throughout the past couple hundred years, Uh um, warts and all. Yeah. And they even said, we'll give you the money to to do the research and publish this report. We are not going to edit it. Like, do it. Mm -hmm. So that sounds commendable. That's a good thing for you to say, we want to know. what's their goal? Is it we want to start to make reparations or we just need to be aware of our own history? Aware of our own history. We need to acknowledge what our role was. And and guess what the report said? They were bad. Yeah. I mean, they they weren't hiding any of that. The the report said very clearly, the founding fathers of our school, the Mm -hmm. theological seminary, were deeply involved in slavery deeply complicit in the defense of slavery. Mm -hmm. They said their successors in the church, quote, advocated the inferiority of Mm African-Americans, openly embraced the ideology of the lost cause of Southern slavery. I mean, that's a big deal. They also pointed out the reason we have Southern Baptists is because they were pissed off that Northern Baptists weren't allowing slaveholders to be missionaries. That's why we have Southern Baptists. I mean, some of this... A lot of this, I should say. People knew about all of this, but Southern Baptists did not acknowledge all of this. So here's the step forward. They're kind of saying, we are now acknowledging this in our own history. So that's That's a step in the right direction. It is. It sounds like a step in the right direction. And that's kind of what the headline suggested, that the Southern Baptists are now acknowledging their role in in the racist history of our nation. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. Here's the question that I'm trying to figure out, though. Even if you say they are not advocating racism now, their policies very well may, Mm -hmm. but in and of itself, they're not saying, like, racism is good They're not saying black people are inferior. They're not doing that now. Um, However, they still have really backwards views when it comes to to women. Mm -hmm. When it comes to women in church leadership. Mm -hmm. When it comes to LGBTQ issues. They are just as bigoted about those groups of people Mm -hmm. as they used to be, uh, you know, explicitly toward black people. So, like, they're making the same mistakes now. They are using the same biblical verses to justify their bigotry today mm-hmm. as they used to when they were supporting slavery. Yeah, I guess, what is their plan then? Like, if if they're trying to be introspective and retrospective, yeah. I guess, and look back at how did we get to where we are today yeah. and what, what do we, we have to account for the sins of our father, all that stuff. Cool, great. Right? Like, wouldn't it help Good to, to say, we it. made these mistakes in the past. We are determined never to make those mistakes in the future. But you are. Yeah. <laughs> you are pr- why at present. At present, you are making the same sorts of mistakes now. And there's literally nothing they said they are doing wrong about LGBTQ issues. They haven't even mentioned. We've discussed Paige Patterson, that former Southern Baptist leader who mm-hmm. made jokes about like 14-year-old girls and how hot they were. Ugh. And he made, uh, he didn't. women at the seminary came up to him and said, I've been assaulted, basically. And he did nothing about it. And he was basically kicked out of their 
their leadership or, or even the those saying like, oh, this guy's a big guy in our movement. They basically pushed him out of there. So good. Mm-hmm. But they didn't even mention him. It's like you guys have a lot of problems now. If you haven't figured that out, that there's a connection between your right. support of slavery and racism and the same sort of bigotry you're espousing today in other areas, what good is your report doing? Yeah, and, it's and if you can't imp- acknowledge that we use the Bible to support these positions, we right. now acknowledge we're totally wrong. It's well, the same fucking Bible. Yeah, what does that tell you about your Bible and the way you're interpreting it? Isn't there a mistake there that you ought to point out? <laughs> because it sounds like they're just saying, well, now that we've acknowledged right. racism, we're the best. It, it's almost <laughs> impressively obtuse to like not get it so hard. <laughs> wow. Seriously. That's really interesting. So again, they got a lot of press, good press for commissioning the report saying, yep, we acknowledge we played a role in this horrible part of our history. Right. And then... I, so here's what I'm getting. 50 years from now, maybe 100, they're going to issue the same report about gay people. Yeah, <laughs> if they still exist. Not gay people. Not gay if people. if <laughs> Southern Baptists still yeah, exist. They're going to issue the same report saying, you know, we were totally wrong about how we, you know, denounce, denounced same-sex marriage right. and LGBTQ rights and the existence of trans people. We were totally wrong in denouncing all of that. Um, but for some reason, they failed to see that that's that's... What, that's exactly what you're doing now. All right. <sighs> um, so in both parties are the same news, LOL. Yes. Um, just every time I read an article like this, I always think about how people are like, well, Trump and Hillary are basically the same. Like, yeah, I'm still mad about it because this is what's happening. Yes. Uh, so the Trump administration just shut down a study um, that was hoping to find a cure for HIV. They just... Just 86 to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... <clears throat> I've seen uh, at the National Institutes of Health Laboratory, um, a, uh, senior scientists said that um, the <laughs> the Health and Human Service Health and Human Services Department has told them to discontinue procuring fetal tissue. Um, so fetal tissue is used in a lot of scientific uh, te- uh, testing, and in this specific um, in this specific instance. Um, the researcher said, quote, this effectively stops our research to discover a cure for HIV. Um, it's so a- their anti-abortion views mm-hmm. are somehow also like hurting LGBTQ people who are disproportionately affected mm-hmm. by this kind of research. Mm-hmm. So to them, this is like a win-win. Yeah. So so um, fetal tissue co- does come from elective uh, elective abortions, which at least they're not, it's not one of those things that like, like, you know, people are like, oh, stem cell research murders babies. It's, well, that's not really how that works. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're right. It comes from abortions. Um, so colleague, uh, scientists are furious. Um, uh, Warner Green, who's the director of Gladstone Institute of, of Virology and Immunology, uh, for 25 years, since 1991, he runs its HIV lab. He said this is scientific censorship of the worst kind. He was... Um, he was poised to collaborate with um, a researcher in Montana, a new experiment that they were hopeful about. He said, quote, you spend your life trying to do good with experiments and organize your science carefully. And suddenly at the whim of some politicians in Washington, D.C., they remove a critical piece of your scientific armamentarium. So anyway. Anti-science, anti-abortion, anti-HIV, mm-hmm. re- anti-research. Yeah, it's all, research. I think it's it's really a good example of 
why it's imp- why elections are important and why politics are important, not just because of economics or whatever, but literally people's lives hang in the balance because we could be carrying HIV right now, or we could be working toward it. We could be working toward these cures, and instead they want to fucking grandstand because abortions make them feel icky. Yeah. Anyway. Of course they do. Yeah. Thanks, people who didn't vote. Yes, fucking God. <laughs> or voted for a third party. Again, See all of this. Party voters. While we, you, maybe we didn't point out specifics like this is exactly what's going to happen. You knew this was going to happen. <laughs> this is what I don't really get about the third party arguments or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's that we know what's going to happen. If it's not hyperbolizing right. here, we know what happens when conservatives are in power. Yes, it hurts people. Yes, uh, and, and I think that's. I've seen a lot of people sort of like try to make fun of or, or disassociate themselves with Democrats because they're like, oh, they were so upset when Trump won and they were crying. I'm like, yeah, I cried the next day a whole fucking lot because this, because I knew this shit was going to happen. Aside from the fact that Trump is a fucking raging misogynist and a like comic book villain at this point, these repercussions are far reaching and this is going to even if even if we get back into power in 2020 or whatever these repercussions are going to be far reaching and we've lost these years we'll always have lost these years and however many lives that costs you good go. times had by all um all right i'm s- moving from politics to this other story out of canada the story, the headlines that I read is like Christmas came early for these atheist parents because they won $12,000. They were awarded it from the British Columbia Human Rights Tribunal hmm. because apparently their daughter was kicked out of her Montessori school. The parents said they're discriminating against her because we're atheists and we're raising her without religion. And the tribunal said, you are correct. Here's $12,000 that Wait, this she got kicked out of Monte- Montessori school? Yep. Is Montessori religious? No, just a private uh, private type of school, but uh-huh. it's, it's a philosophy thing. It's not a religious school. Yeah. Um, but they said they basically treated her poorly, kicked her out because this family was atheist. And the tribunal actually called it discrimination and said the school, quote, treated them differently from every other parent at the school and sought to suppress their expression of concerns about the nature of the curriculum that were grounded in the family's race, ancestry, and religious beliefs, which Hmm. is to say they're atheists. Sounds like, oh, man, what the hell did this school do to this poor girl? What did they do? And then you start reading the actual uh, decision from the tribunal because whenever they have these decisions, they go into the history of the case, right? Uh And then it's like, oh, shit, I don't like this atheist family. Really? Yeah. Here's kind of the, I was reading through this. I'm like starting to summarize what's going on. Mm-hmm. Then I realized, oh man, this thing goes on for dozens and dozens of pages and I'm not going to document all of this, uh-huh. but here's the long and short of it. In 2014, the parents, Gary Mangle, Mai Yasue, they were, and en- they enrolled their daughter in this school and the dad, Gra- uh, Gary, uh, got a position on the board of directors for this Montessori school. Okay. Um, it was an at-large position. Whatever, he's a new parent, and they like getting the parents involved. That's normal. Sure. And they were having a discussion that November about what are we going to do for the holidays, mm-hmm. you know, to celebrate it with the kids. What do we want to do? Someone said maybe we should get some clay elf ornaments to celebrate Christmas, whatever. This guy chimes in. He's like, no. Here's his argument. 
maybe legit. He's like, well, you're promoting a Christian holiday. Not all families celebrate Christmas. So then someone says, well, how about we add in, like, there's a dog making noise. (laughs) What if we add in, like, a Hanukkah activity to the mix? Uh And he's like, no. Because not everyone only celebrates Christmas and Hanukkah. And here's the email that he sent back to them. And I'm going to read this because, holy shit, this gets insane. Okay. Ignore the squeaking in the background. Yeah, don't worry about it. Daddy's just beating up a chipmunk. Yeah, as one does. Um, I don't think it's appropriate to celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, or any other religious political event at preschool, including Remembrance Day, which (laughs) is like veterans stuff. My child is three years old and cannot consent to being involved in decorating military wreaths or Christmas trees or lighting Hanukkah candles. Having the kids do these things seems inappropriate given their absolute inability to understand the religious and political symbolism associated with those acts. As Richard Dawkins has written, there is no Uh such thing as a Muslim, Jewish, or Christian, etc. baby, toddler, child. They are simply too young to be making these sorts of decisions. As a side note, oh, this is where it gets good. I certainly hope that there will be no discussion of Santa Claus at this school. I am absolutely against anyone blatantly lying to my daughter. Just some thoughts from an atheist family. Please accept my apologies if this offends. So basically, if it has to do with the holidays, oh yeah, if it has to do anything with the holidays, not even religious, but cultural, nope, don't, don't mention it, don't do it, nothing. Because apparently it's wrong to even teach kids about all these different types of things. Yeah, that's not great, huh? So all the other board members are like, we're not trying to indoctrinate them into Christianity. Uh, We have some idea. We just want to sell. It's a Montessori school. We want (laughs) to give them a global perspective on everything. Yeah, and isn't, like, that's your responsibility, dude. That's, like, if your kid (laughs) comes home and says, I heard about Santa Claus, you say, well, I don't think Santa Claus is real and other kids do and that's what it means my, to my kids be a, a day- human in the fucking world. My kid is three. She's yeah. at daycare. They're doing all sorts of random holiday things. It's like, oh, it's nice. You learned about all of this stuff. Cool. Interesting. Fine. So then they're like, well, let us try to reach out to this atheist father, the rest of the board. They're like, do you want us to include like whatever it is you, your family does? And he suggested the inclusion of, quote, atheist Christmas ornaments... I know, sounds weird, but here's what he suggested. We'll give him like an ornament that says skeptic, another one that says atheist. Um, and actually, it defined atheist on the ornament or something as someone who believes in one fewer God than you do. Oh, no. Wait, 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 wait. The third one? Dude. It showed a picture of a plane flying into the World Trade Center with the caption, atheist, don't fly airplanes into buildings as you give to a three-year-old. Like, yeah. these are these are amusing or not memes on Reddit or something. But it's like, that's not what how... The that's fuck, not Dad? a celebration of atheism that you do on the holidays. Like, I've laughed at all of those things at one point or another, but I know the context of them. And, and this also, is not you're the not context. putting in a fucking preschool. Jesus. I know. Yeah. So basically, all these parents are like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> like... And by the way, one person said that atheists don't fly airplanes into building thing was thinly veiled Islamophobia, Mm. which, again, I would debate in another situation. In this particular case, I kind of know what they're getting at. Yeah, no, I completely agree. (laughs) So 
here's where the thing. I start summarizing all the stuff, then I realize this goes on for dozens more pages. And those dozens more pages are just this guy being a dick to everyone on the board. The board trying to appease him, trying to then work around him, yeah. saying like we're like they made one mistake in that they were gonna read a explicitly Christian book to the kids about Jesus in the manger. And the dad pointed out, you can't do that. And they agreed, you know what, we'll get rid of that. Uh-huh. But everything else was pretty much like, yeah, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you want to celebrate. Like, they want to introduce the kids to everything. Mm-hmm. It seems reasonable. And this guy was just like, not saying include some mention that not everyone does it. It's that he didn't want any of it in right. there. It's like a reality TV show at some point. You got the board not CCing the dad on certain threads. They're sniping at each other in private messages. Jesus. <laughs> At one point, like, they tried to speak to him privately. Maybe if we get off email, we'll fix this situation. And that didn't work either. At some point, he's joking about how he'll sue them, too, referring to the school. And I'm quoting here from the court records. And then he began doing the Nazi salute and marching around while he sung a different version of O Canada in which he substituted his own lyrics. Another board member felt uncomfortable and left soon after. (laughs) This he guy said, is the fucking This guy said word. he was joking and trying to make a point. But again, if your symbolic point involves a Nazi salute, you're not going to win this argument. By the way, he Jeez. also said he doesn't want to do Valentine's Day or Easter. Nothing. We can't mention those. Valentine's Day. Saint Valentine. Get it? Religious holiday. Yeah. And he was pissed off. So ultimately... Here's where this boils down to. At at the end of all of this, with this impossible father, the school says, you know what? For you guys, we are asking you to sign for the next year. Here's a new contract. Basically saying, this school embraces this multicultural approach. And it actually said in there, multiculturalism, including the observation of a wide variety of celebrations, is important to us. These parents did not want to sign that piece of paper, Mm -hmm. which only they had to sign, more or less. (laughs) They didn't sign it. At least be subtle about it, guys. Uh They didn't sign it. Mm -hmm. The school responded by saying, fine, your daughter can't come back here. And that... That's a poor girl. And that is what the judge said is this discriminatory. This Human Rights Council tribunal basically said, you asked only this family to sign off on this. You single them out. Yeah. You basically retaliated by punishing their daughter. The school is the one that crossed <sighs> from like yes. dealing with the insufferable dude to doing something they shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. And the school's the one paying for it. And again, going back to that headline, you know, atheist family celebrates Christmas early because they get $12,000 for this discrimination. It's like, no, I mean, I get it. They won and maybe they should have won, legally Mm -hmm. speaking. But this guy, the whole family just seems like these parents are dicks to these people. Yeah. Um, You know how I always say you're why people hate atheists? Yes, to me all the time. I think this guy is why. Yeah, yeah. So, Like, you're a dick, but like, this is next (laughs) level garbage yeah so again it's just like you have one guy who's just ruining things for everybody and no one knows how to deal with it and Uh then they made the wrong move yeah i mean that (laughs) like obviously the school misstepped 
I mean, from what it sounds like, $12,000 feels like an appropriate amount to pay to never talk to this dude again. <laughs> right. I would pay $12,000 to never have to interact with this man. Yeah. So <laughs> here's a totally separate story. This involves uh, a writer named Kelsey Burke. She wrote a book a couple of years ago called Christians Undercovers, talking about Christians oh. and sex and uh, interesting topic. And she wrote an article this week for Huffington Post saying, um, basically, she was looking through a bunch of message boards. Okay. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means like Reddit threads yeah, or whatever, kind of but message boards where conservative Christians, the kind that preach abstinence before marriage and all that stuff, where they talk about sex advice and they talk about sex. And she was saying like, w- what is it that they talk about on their sex ed? Well, what questions do they ask? I'm dying And what is the, what advice do they get in return? Because uh-huh. like you imagine it's not like a Dan Savage column or something. Right. So what are these people asking? And to put it bluntly, she said, quote, quote, evangelicals love pegging. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do you want to explain it for those who are wondering what we are talking about? Okay, I want to say there's nothing inherently funny about pegging, but it's just the last thing. It's just the last thing I expected you to yeah. say. That's why I wrote it down for this oh, week. Pegging is when a woman puts on a strap on and has anal sex with her husband. Congratulations. Thank you. I think I deserve a drink for getting you to say that on it's- the show. I don't know. It's 2 p.m. <laughs> Why did you bring this to me in a non-drinking day? I know. Uh, so, for example, she said uh, one of the comments she saw on a message board. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I just thought about it again. <laughs> <laughs> she goes on. Uh, this is a, from the message board. My dear husband is 100% man throughout, but he loves when I peg him. Another person wrote... I was talking to God about it again, and I really again? felt, and I really felt the Lord say to me, "I love what you and your wife have together." Ref- referencing pegging, so just to be clear, a guy sticking something up his butt, totally fine. Sorry, a guy so sticking another man's penis up his butt, no eternity great. in hell. A guy sticking something resembling a penis up his butt. This is what they were asking about. And they were like, theological debate. We don't know if this is okay. Sure. Did they not mention pegging in the Bible? I can't remember. Some of them said they they do the pegging, but it doesn't look like a dildo. It's it's What are you talking about, Hammond? I don't know. I don't want to (laughs) know. By the way, I had to look this up. There is a Bible verse that arguably condemns pegging. Ezekiel. Chapter 16, verse 17. You also took the fine jewelry I gave you, the jewelry made of my gold and silver, and you made for yourselves male idols and engaged in prostitution with them. Okay, we say sex work now. Put that one on your email footnote signature line. Ezekiel 16, 17. It sounds more like they were, like, fucking a lady with the gold. I... I don't, I don't know. I think it's a stretch, no pun intended, to... <laughs> <laughs> it's two o'clock. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, my God. Just to be... What is this stupid show? To her credit, this is what Burke said at the end of all this. Perhaps one day they'll agree that everyone deserves consensual sexual pleasure and expression, even and especially the people who taught them about pegging in the first place. <laughs> I mean, okay. I really, I, it's really important for me to be clear that, like, if if pegging is what you're into, like, by all means, 
go nuts, use lube, go slow. <laughs> like, you don't want to fuck around with that shit. But just, this feels so far beyond <laughs> what you would think of as, like, good, pure Christian sex. <laughs> well, uh, again, all of the pegging, I assume, do is done. Pegging? Uh, they, I didn't see that. I, I do think that when they're talking about it, they are always talking about it within the confines of a straight marriage. Sure. You know, within marriage, pegging is cool, but like, don't yeah. do it before then. That would be Otherwise sinning. What are you deviant. doing? Yeah. So that is, that is a thing genuinely that the funniest thing I've heard all day. <laughs> Holy Christ. Yeah. So, oh my God. <laughs> okay. I got one last one for you okay. that I, that I'm done with my stuff. <laughs> I... This one does not involve pegging. Sorry. Um, there was a poll that was <laughs> commissioned by the American Humanist Association and the Center for Free Thought Equality. <laughs> sorry, paid for, sorry. And again. I, this is going to happen all the rest of the show. <laughs> Basically, there was a poll commissioned by atheist groups, uh-huh. but here's what they want, and, but conducted by a legit polling organization. Mm-hmm. They wanted to know, is being an atheist a political liability? Okay. Because we've all seen okay. the Gallup polls that say, would you vote for someone in your party, like your policies and everything, if that person were a blank? And, like, whenever they do those polls now, uh, if you're above 90%, if you're black, like, yeah, even, doesn't matter what party. Most people have no problem if you're black. Right. Same with Catholic, Jewish, Hispanic, woman. If you agree with their policies, that stuff isn't a deal breaker. Right. So, fine, good. Those should all be up there. Um, the question is, what about if they're an atheist? And f- for years now, it's always been atheists are at the bottom of the list. Mm-hmm. It's under 50%. Um, in 2012, there was a little celebration among our people because atheists crossed 50%. It's like, hey, more than 50% would say it's all right. <laughs> um, and in uh, 2015, uh, when they were in the running for the 2016 elections, mm-hmm. there was a new low end of the totem pole. Like, atheists were not at the bottom of the list anymore. We were at 58%, yeah. but guess what was even lower? Murderers. Forty-seven percent of people said they would only only forty-seven percent said they would vote for a person in their party if that person were a socialist. Oh, yeah. So thanks, Bernie. (laughs) So socialist was the deal breaker at that time, and you could—I mean—that's still a dirty (sighs) word they use against like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, whatever. Okay, but the question is: Is it still a liability today? And what the poll found here's kind of the big takeaway: If you are in uh, it doesn't matter what district you're in, but if you are, if your base is pro-choice, pro-marriage equality Democrats, uh-huh. so we're talking you're going after that base, those people don't care if you're an atheist. Right. Which is kind of intuitive, right. but also kind of saying, look, if you're in a super red district where you are never going to win over conservatives because you're pro-choice mm-hmm. and pro-LGBTQ rights... You should go ahead and say you're an atheist because it will not hurt you. You're hurt enough by that other <laughs> stuff. Being an atheist won't also hurt you. Yeah. So that's important to know. And if you're in a blue district where you're going to get voters who support your policies mm-hmm. and you're up against someone who opposes them, you also have very little to lose. They're not going to really use that against you. It's not going to hurt you, uh-huh. especially if the other side's like, but look, he's an atheist or she's an atheist. It's like, yeah, it's really not going to make a big deal. Case in point, mm-hmm. they pointed to Gail Jordan, uh, a woman, I don't know if we covered her on the podcast. I covered her on the website. She ran for the Tennessee State Senate in 2016. She's mm-hmm. like a perfect test case for this. Okay. She ran for the State Senate in 2016. She lost, 
Surprise, surprise. She's a Democrat in a super red district. Mm -hmm. Of course she was going to lose. But she never brought up her atheism. She didn't talk about it. She got 26% of the vote. Not a great outcome. No. But that's without her mentioning religion at all. Yeah. Okay. So it turned out... Do you know if that would be on par for like past polling for... Um, You know what? I don't know what happened before that. But here's here's the takeaway. She got 26% then. That seat opened up for a bunch of reasons. Uh, Again... This past year, hmm. like the person who had that seat got promoted somewhere else, maybe a Donald Trump pick for something, something. But all of a sudden they had a special election for her district again. So she ran again and she won the primary again. So she's on the ballot again. <laughs> this time, the not only did she talk about her atheism more as if it's not something to be ashamed of, mm-hmm. the other side used it against her hmm. to attack her with ads like, it was horrible the way they treated her in with the advertising, but you also kind of expect it. Right. How many... She still lost. <laughs> okay. But this time, she got 28% of the votes. So, like, the That's fact that better. this became a target for her because of her atheism, it didn't hurt her at all. In fact, you could say more Democrats were on her side oh, this time God. around. But their whole point of the polling is that this is not a liability among people, among the base that would already support you. Right. And that's important to know. Now, if you're in a swing state, if you're in a tight race where you need to win over moderates and you're trying to win over maybe some conservatives who don't like the Republican option, Mm -hmm. don't talk about your atheism. (laughs) That seems sensible. But if you're in a really blue area, it's probably not going to hurt you. And if you're in a really red area where you're already going to lose because everyone knows your policy issues, Mm -hmm. you might as well say it. And I I hope people listen to that moving forward in competitive races because, again, we talk about the need when it comes to the social acceptance of Mm -hmm, atheism mm -hmm. or whatever label you want to use. This is one of the things that really makes a difference, seeing like, oh, wow, this person's running for office and they're not religious. And they're just saying like, no, I'm not religious, but I do support church-state separation. Mm -hmm. I'm here to defend the rights of the people who are religious, no matter what religion or non-religion you are. Right. You could totally say that and mm-hmm. not lose people because mm-hmm. the same people who'd be like, well, that person's not religious. They're hellbound, blah, blah, blah. They weren't going to vote for you anyway. Right. So. Interesting. Come out. That's important. <laughs> yeah. They actually said uh, 74% of those pro-choice, pro-LGBTQ Democrats, 74% said if they knew a candidate was non-religious, it wouldn't affect their vote whatsoever another 14 percent said i would be more likely to vote for them and and slightly less than that said it would hurt them like your chances yeah yeah. but on the net like the net positive here that's cool that's the cool thing about this so keep that in mind um i've got one more like tiny thing we don't need to dig in too much on but it's just just petty enough for me to care about um so there is a christian author his name is larry alex taunton yes he wrote a book after the death of um, Christopher Hitchens. He wrote a book called The Faith of Christo- Christopher Hitchens, The Restless Soul of the World's Most Notorious Atheist. He basically Atheist. suggested Hitchens had doubts about his atheism, uh-huh. and people were pissed off, including Hitchens' family, mm-hmm. because they're like, no, he was an atheist till like the second yeah, he died. No. He did not change. You didn't know him yeah, well. Yeah, because this guy would know. Yeah, this guy took a couple of road trips and debated him in a couple of venues. You mm-hmm. were not close to him. Yeah, and we hear I about those that dead, book. Be- uh, deathbed conversions yeah. all the time. And yeah. So what did Towton do now? <laughs> well, um, in addition to his shitty opinions about Christopher Hitchens, he also really likes to harp on things about like 
how morality and religion are linked. So, in, o- so in other words, uh, oh, so he wrote, quote, atheism unquestionably exacerbates. Yes. Did I get it? You got it. Was it one of those? Go on. <laughs> the evil in our nature. And if Christianity doesn't make you good, strictly speaking, from a theological perspective, none of us are. Cool. It makes you better than you otherwise might be. So in other words, <laughs> if you're an atheist, like, you're grading on a curve, right? Like, if you're a Christian, you're definitely going to be, like, doing a little bit better than necessarily saying... I always... I have a wonder about how people can still claim that Christianity and morality are linked when you see what happens today in this administration that is propped up by white evangelicals. Mm -hmm. How can you possibly say it's moral when we see evidence daily of how they are Uh, immoral? No, because they are... They're watching a different movie than we are. They're they're experiencing a different thing. Like we're seeing children in essential prison camps on the border and they're seeing A brown people who are scary. You know yeah. that. And B quote unquote illegals who deserve whatever gets to them. Yeah. They're 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 seeing the same thing we are, but like in a different language almost. The the cover of the new What issue. they think morals are is fucking on a different planet from what we think they are. The cover of the new Newsweek Mm -hmm. this week is all about how younger evangelicals are, like, fed up with the olds. Yeah. And what the argument was is that, look, Republicans have relied on white evangelicals in politics for decades Mm -hmm. now. You will probably still see that in 2020. But by 2024, the demographics look like they are about to shift Mm -hmm. so that Republicans will no longer be able to count on white evangelicals as their greatest base of support because the newer evangelicals, the younger ones, mm-hmm. don't want any association with those people. Yeah. And they actually said younger evangelicals, even if they believe, they are more geared towards social justice. They care about immigrants. They care about income inequality. Yeah. And a lot of the things pretty much associated with Democrats right now. So though you, you see the rise of the religious left... Right. And that will counterbalance the religious right very soon. And in politics, whatever always, always progresses, right? Like, it's it's very, it's not likely that we are going to regress as a culture that in 50 years or in 100 years, we're going to say, oh, no, we were right in the first place. Gays are icky or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so no matter what, like, looking back on 2016, 2018, like, the, the, GOP, the Southern Baptists, whomever is supporting this 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 Trump garbage, they're going to be the villains. They're going to be the villains in our history. That's a Hamilton quote. Nice. Um, you know what I mean? Like, any way you slice it, history is going to look back very, very unkindly on what we're doing right now. And I think young people have enough of a sense of scope to see that. Yeah, and even young evangelicals are like, I don't want that. I don't like my label. I might still be a Jesus follower right. or a Christian or whatever, but like I'm not one of them. Don't want me in them. Right. So okay, that's all I have. We have announcements. You have thank yous to make. I have thank yous to make. I do. I wanted to thank a few of the people who have supported us on Patreon, specifically uh, Mike A, Laura O, and wait for it, uh-huh. Oscar Dog. That's what it said on the thing. Okay. So thank you, Oscar the the dog. Who knows? Didn't say a middle name, but there you go. Thank you for your support. We appreciate it. And if you want to be on this list and join Oscar slash the dog, yeah. uh, patreon.com slash friendly atheist. Um, and there's a level at which I'll send you a 
custom cross stitch. What's that? Twenty five dollars. Twenty. Twenty dollars a month. I'll send you a custom cross stitch uh, just for you. And hey, if I owe somebody a cross stitch <laughs> friendly at these podcasts at Gmail, I'm sorry. Um, I also have a small announcement. Um, Please. I've been saying for the last few weeks I'll be in Ooh. California. In LA at the beginning of 2019, and now I have some firm facts because I bought my plane tickets. Look at you! Thanks, Southwest. Um, so I'm going to be there the week of January 7th, so that's starting on Monday. So if you are in that area and want to come meet up, a friend of mine and I are meeting up for a drink, and I'm inviting all friendly atheist listeners if you're in the area, or if not in the area, who knows? Drive LA's in. probably fun to road trip to. It's notoriously easy and small and accessible. Um, there is a bar called ETA in Highland Park. Um, I'm going to be there on January 8th, which is a Tuesday, at 6.30 p.m. So ETA in Highland Park in, um, in the Los Angeles area, January 8th, 6.30. Um, tweet at me, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E on Twitter if you are planning on coming or if you want details. I just gave you all the details I have. I let my friend pick the bar. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, anything good happening to you this weekend? Uh, grandfather's very sick. It's not a good thing, but, yeah, he's he's not feeling I'm well, sorry. so we're all going to go visit him. Is this your grandfather? Yeah, my grandfather. He's, he's like, 97, 98. My grandmother's yeah. 98. Yeah, so. Ugh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, That's so rough. we'll take the kids. We'll go see him. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not for the last time, but we're, I, can't, I think we're all kind of going in acknowledging Preparing. it's probably the last time we see him. So that's a weird, sad like, yeah. like, you know it's coming, but still. Yeah, that's yeah. hard. That's my I'm weekend sorry. for you. Well, it feels it is really it stupid is. to say that I'm going to do an escape room tomorrow. So <laughs> fucking thanks for that. You're welcome. Thanks for letting me go first. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to be in the city, spending the night in the city tomorrow night. My brother's birthday is coming up, so we're doing an escape room. And then my husband's holiday party. So Look at you. Yeah, we're staying in a hotel. Look at you making friends. I know. My friends are staying here to watch the dog. Nice. It's going to be really nice. So I'm looking forward cool. to that. And we'll I'm see sorry you all next. <laughs> um, Twitter? You didn't see it coming. I'm on Twitter. Find me. <laughs> I don't know. You know where to go. Uh, email us if you... Oh, wait, wait. Really quick. Sorry, oh, before oh, we go. Oh. No listener mail, but, but um, Allison Cleveland, um, she's looking for a secular group of people. So if you are in Cleveland and secular and want to be friends with Allison, let me know. Um, thanks, Kristen. Um, hey, Sierra, sorry that I talked about Nadia Bowles-Weber. Apparently, she's a garbage person. Sorry for talking about her. I, I saw that email. I don't know that she's a garbage person, but she has blind spots like a lot of us. Uh-huh. And she participated. She was the one who wanted to turn purity rings into a giant vagina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny, cool, go you. Uh-huh. Um, she also participated in a conference that kind of included men who probably shouldn't have been at any public event. Uh-huh. And that's, I think, what the criticism was about. Okay. So it's nuanced. She's not perfect. We also weren't trying to suggest she was. But no, that particular was. event was kind of a thing I liked. Um, and I'm th- sorry, the, the purity ring thing, the burning yeah. of it. That I liked. You don't have to like everything. Yeah. Um, and Elaine uh, wrote us about a story of her kind of fighting the good fight in her kids' school when they did some questionable... Religious garbage. So yeah, she just don't be like the Canadian parents. Yeah, Elaine, use it as a template of what not to do, please. <laughs> please, I do. Elaine, you're a listener. We love you. I don't want to read about you on the show and make fun of you. You don't deserve that. Okay. Thanks. Talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye.